Whoa. I just hope that you are seated right now because I have some big news to share. The Best Thing Podcast. There are literally like 30 bagillion jillion podcasts out there. And bagillion is an actual word. And get this, The Best Thing Podcast is hitting the charts across the globe and in the United States. We are now consistently like one of the top 125 podcasts in the self-improvement category. That's huge. There are so many podcasts. I am so happy I decided to do this podcast because we're reaching so many people and they're realizing that they can have a new vantage point on what the best thing is. I just want to say thank you for being an amazing listener. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for rating this. Thank you for sharing this with your community. We're just getting started. So thanks again. Hey, this episode today coming up with Jeremy Hassel. Woo, this is why people are listening. Jeremy Hassel, who's a big time television personality. We talk about how getting cut from a basketball team when he was in middle school changed everything for him. I can't wait for you to listen to this. It's a fantastic episode. Let's get into episode 56 of the best thing. Welcome to the best thing podcast, where we talk to thought leaders, creatives, authors, and entrepreneurs about how sometimes the best thing to happen to you is the most unexpected. Welcome your host, Antonio Neves. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the best thing podcast, where I talk to people about the best thing to happen to them. That doesn't include the traditional markers of success. I'm your host, Antonio Neves. I'm the author of Stop Living on Autopilot. I'm a speaker and I'm a coach. Each week, I bring on a new guest who has a powerful story to tell that will motivate, inspire, and help you see life through a new lens. Listen, this week's guest is someone I first met in New York City in the early 2000s as we both were beginning our careers in the television industry, and I am so glad I did. He is one of those people that lights up a room and always makes you feel like a million bucks. Jeremy Hassel is a television host, a reporter, and a pop culture expert who has worked with major networks like MTV, E! News, People Magazine, The Hollywood Reporter, and countless other outlets. You've seen him on so many red carpets, and he's currently the trivia host for Reward the Fan. With his dynamic and electric personality, Jeremy has mastered the art of making people talk freely about themselves in a fun and unpredictable environment. Get this, over the course of his career, he has had fascinating conversations with everyone from former President Donald Trump to P. Diddy to Lady Gaga to Jennifer Lopez to Matthew McConaughey to Madonna. To Steve Martin and countless others, I could keep going on and on. Look, Jeremy's mission is to enjoy every moment and bring you along for the ride. Jeremy Hassel, welcome to The Best Thing. Wow, The Best Thing is, I need to hear that every morning. You got me feeling like I'm like Obama or something. You got me feeling official over here. Thank you, my brother. Yeah, man, I was reading your bio. And, you know, I've known this about you, obviously, uh, for, for many, many years. But reading it, it was just reinforced. And I was like, wow, this guy, over the course of his career is done so many amazing things with so many different networks, has so many amazing conversations with fascinating people. 
The first question I want to ask you is, you know, when you see all those big names, when you hear all those big networks with free, at this stage of life is probably just power for the course. It's normal, right? It's what you do. But the question I have is when you were a kid, did you know a career like this was was even possible within grasp? Or are, are you even every now and then surprised when you hear your bio come up like that? <laughs> um, when I was a kid, I was more fascinated with a new pair of Jordans trying to get them. Uh, when I was a kid, I, I never really thought further than uh, getting a fresh outfit because we like to look fresh. You know what I'm saying? So that's where, that's really where my head was as a kid. Thinking of careers, no. I mean, to keep it all the way 100 with you right now is I wasn't even thinking about going to college because I, I grew up with an amazing group of, of friends, knuckleheads, interesting different kinds of people. And we just had such a great time. I, I was living for today for real, you know, to the point that I wasn't even uh, paying attention in school that much because I had the girlfriend, my, my boys had cars, I had my mom's car when she was sleeping. Life life was, was everything until my grades weren't as par. And I was lucky enough that I had a, I have a great father and a great big brother. And my father was like, this knucklehead is not even trying to, to, to progress. He's too comfortable right now because I was working at the Gap. I was making money. I was doing my thing, coming to the city, going to parties and stuff. And my dad said, he needs to know what real life is. So he asked my older brother if I could visit him in college for a weekend. And uh, I went to visit him with uh, my best childhood friend. And uh, when I got to see what college classes were like, what college girls looked like, my whole life changed. I got on, got on my scholastics and got myself to college. So I didn't even get, I was always for the moment, Antonia. Always for I the like moment. that. You mentioned something that, you know, gave me pause, made me smile. You said you'd like to look fresh. One thing about you in the probably almost 20 years that I've known you is that I've always seen you look fresh. I've never seen you out in public, whether you're for an audition, whether you're on television, or we're just literally meeting for a cup of coffee or for a tea, not looking impeccable. So can you talk a little bit about the importance of, of style and, and feeling like a million bucks? Because I know it's really been intentional for you. And uh, I think a lot of people don't put a lot of time and energy into their personal style, into their wardrobe. And I'm just curious, you know, that, that where that influence came from for you. And again, why it's so important. Oh, man, that influence goes far back to, um, you know, my daddy's got swagger. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> my mother has, let's put it this way. My childhood room, when I moved out to go to college, I was gone for three weeks and I came back home. My mom turned my childhood bedroom into her Sunday church hat room. That's how many hats. So I wow. come from a lot of flavor. I come from a, from a lot of soul. And what I learned at a young age as well is that people think with their eyes. And don't lie to yourself. Everyone listening to this right now or not, don't lie to yourself and say, no, no, it's all about how I feel and all this. The first thing you see if you have sight is, is going to be what you see. And you're going to make a prejudgment whether you want to admit it or not. And I knew that very young going on. I was like, wow. So I always wanted to present the best version of myself that I could at that time. And when I was younger, it was all about the sneakers. What am I talking about? It's still all about the kicks. It doesn't end. So I think uh, for you to take the time to make sure that you're representing the physical part of yourself before you meet someone will give you a different interaction with them. For instance, if, if I'm wearing a hoodie and I'm wearing a stocking cap and I'm wearing grills and I, and, I, and I say hi to someone or if I'm suited up, I say hi to someone, I guarantee you the reaction will be different, right? 
So just taking that moment to take care of yourself can give anyone listening to this a better opportunity, no matter what it is. If you're going to ask that guy out, that girl out, if you're going to ask for a raise, get yourself together before you go in. Because guess why? If you feel good, that energy translates to much bigger things. I remember one time a boss gave me some advice early on and he said, dress for the job that you want. Not for the job that you're in, but dress for the job that you want. And that changed everything about how I showed up. And just briefly, just uh, on the wardrobe again, of course, you know, how others see us is critical and it makes a big difference how we present ourselves. But also I can tell you firsthand when I, when I put some energy and effort into how I show up, I feel like there's a different type of self-respect as well. I feel different about myself. I, I walk a little bit taller and more, and more proud. Would you say that's the case as well for you? That's the case. It should be for everyone. Don't get it twisted to everyone listening right now. It's not about money doesn't buy you class. It's not about money. It's about style. You could be the brokest person in the room, but just by you taking a little bit of time to make sure that the look that you're wearing represents you or what you want to be, everyone will look at you like you're the boss in the room just from that alone. Just from taking that extra effort, people notice effort in life. If someone walks into any room and they look good, they smell good, they brush their teeth, they're focused, they, they look like they had a good night's rest, you're going to look at them like they got it together. They could be a mess. Let me give you another example. For all of you who are lucky enough and smart enough to go to therapy, that therapist sitting there with their degrees and in their, in their, in their chair giving you all the advice on them, you trust them. They, they know everything. They're the best ever. <laughs> I know some therapists. They are wild. Their lives are out of control. But when you come into their world and it's all set up perfectly, right? You're more open going, wow, I trust his environment. I trust his person. It's the same thing with everyday interactions, everyone. Yeah, you just dropped a, a, a truth bomb. People notice effort. We can go on a whole other conversation with that right there, but that's real. Um, it's funny you say that because I can think now over the years, my wardrobe, if you want to call it that, my style has changed on the stages when I speak. And as it evolved to where it is today, it, it draws people in for one reason, because I'm not looking like everyone else. I'm not trying to fit in like I used to, but it draws people in. Let, let's shift gears here for a little bit before we get to this question of the best thing. You know, obviously, I mentioned your, your successful career in the television and the media industry. I mentioned just a few, just a few of the amazing big name celebrities that you've interviewed over the years, man, from Oscar and Grammy Award winners. I mean, you name it, you've interviewed everyone. One thing I've noticed about you, and I think you and I think we both have this gift, but I want to hear your perspective on it, is that you are able to connect with absolutely anyone. I have never seen you in any context struggle. Now, again, I've only seen it on a few occasions, but I've seen you interview all these big name folks. Can you talk to me about your approach, whether you're talking to an Oscar award winner like Matthew McConaughey, whether you're sitting down with someone like a former President Donald Trump or folks, how you, and sometimes, you know, folks don't know this, that sometimes all you have is sometimes five minutes to get your interview in. It's not like you have an hour to kick it with them. How do you build that rapport? How do you earn trust and get folks to lean in? That is a great question. The quest for that never ends. I guess that's why I've always loved what I do. I didn't realize that. I have to circle back to the origins of that, Antonio, is I didn't realize I wanted to be a host, but I've always been a host. I've always mm -hmm. been curious about people. And I also, um, I do my best not to judge, but to understand. You know what I mean? Because maybe I'm lucky and blessed enough that 
I've been in many different circles in my life. I've grown up with people with nothing, and I've been around people who grew up in mansions, and I've been around Muslims, Arabs, um, French, Italian, German, Jewish, you name it. I've been around a lot of different kinds of people, and I look at that as the biggest blessing, and that's all before I even went. That's before I was 18. So I realized when I came out into the world and left, you know, Westwood, New Jersey and Houston, Texas, when I left there and started going out into the world, being an adult, I didn't realize I had a leg up on many people just from having so many different experiences. So when I sit down and talk with someone, I have a different level of looking at them and going, I look at everyone as a lesson that I can learn. Whether it's going to be somebody, a kid I meet in the subway, or it's going to be me sitting on, uh, on a red carpet about to interview 50 Cent, and I'm talking to another reporter next to me, I'm like, wow, because one thing someone can say to you can change your entire life. A conversation to me, I believe, is the most important thing of all time, because it can change or shape your perspective when you weren't even expecting it. Someone might say something or a phrase, and you might hear it but you didn't really listen. And another day or two, you might think to yourself again, oh my, they said that to me. So back to your question, because us hosts are a little long-winded, is uh, <laughs> how do I you know, uh, so quickly adapt to when I'm speaking to anyone? We're all just people. I am so lucky enough to tell a lot of you that I've been behind the scenes with a lot of celebrities and been around people. And guess what? They just might've had an opportunity that put them in the position to where we see them. I'll keep it a, even more real with you probably a, a few of them really are super talented. What really made them ascend to being one of our quote unquote celebrities or people we look up to was a bunch of things. It was luck. It was being in the right place at the right time. It was the circle they were in. And the most important that they were ready, that they did the work beforehand. So when it came, they could put it all together. So once I realized that even coming up as me being a young reporter and doing things, I said, oh, it doesn't matter who I talk to. So I'm just going to try to figure out how I can speak to them to learn something from them. And if I learn something from them, so will the audience listening. Yeah, that's a, that's a big lesson. And you said something critical right there about these folks. This is a whole, that would be another conversation that they were ready. I always have to tell people all the time that every now and then some moments are going to come and you have to be prepared. You have to be ready. I have to ask this question because something else, I, now that I'm just thinking about it, that's different about you. Again, I was in New York City for a long time in the television game and you know, folks don't understand what it's like in that industry. It's fun and flashy on the camera, what you see on the TV, but behind the scenes, it can be grimy. It can be cutthroat. It can be mad aggressive. Um, it's really different. <laughs> People have no idea. Tell me if this is accurate. I feel like one thing that's unique about you versus all the other television hosts and reporters and correspondents I've met over the years is that, is it fair to say Jeremy Hassel never had a goal of being famous? Like everyone else, a lot of people come to New York with goals of being famous. And we know these folks, and typically those folks don't last too long. When I look at you, I'm like, no, Jeremy's goal wasn't ever to become famous, though that's been a byproduct of that. You've become a celebrity, that people know your name. I feel like your, your goal more so is just to be successful, to be honest. Like you said, your mission is to enjoy every moment. Is it fair to say, like, you didn't show up to get famous? That's interesting, because I have to think back for when I first decided when I was in college and I decided to go into career entertainment. I came to New York first, no, Antonio, that's wrong. First, I came <laughs> here to absolutely get famous because the reason it all started for me, Antonio, was um, I was studying abroad in London at Kensington, uh, in South Kensington at Richmond University, and I met a beautiful uh, British lady, and uh, she said that I should have a career in entertainment. And as you do when you're 19 years old, you meet a beautiful woman, you listen to what they say. I don't care who you are. So I was like, you know what I should? 
So um, at that time, I was like, wow. So then I made a tape of my, my, my lifestyle while I was in college, and I sent it to MTV to the real world. I got to the last round of casting for that. But the coolest thing during that casting, it was a three-month-long process, man, as I got to the finalist round. And when I got to meet uh, Mary Ellis Bunham and John Murray, rest in peace, Mary Ellis, she passed. She asked me, when she actually, when she told me I wasn't going to be on the next season, she says, you're very inquisitive and good with people. You should be a host or a VJ. You ever thought of that? I was like, no, I'm going to work in marketing. I'm going to school for marketing. And I just did this out of for fun. She goes, you should look into that. That one conversation changed my life. And then from there, my whole target shifted to becoming a host and doing things of that nature. You know, later I became that. So yeah, my first goal was to become famous because I talked to a random person. And then after that, when I actually got the job, interviewing celebrities, uh, my first major job. Well, my first job was with Fuse, but my major first job was MTV2 when I had my own show. When I got to be around celebrities, I got to see them on camera and off. And I, and I realized, I go, oh, these people are really interesting. They're all so different and they come from different walks. Then when I started interviewing more and more people, I started to realize, oh, the joy in this is getting paid just to talk to people. This isn't even hard for me. And then as it grew, Antonio, over the years, I started learning wow, that I can actually help people too with this gift that I've always had, but now I get paid for it. Now I can use these celebrities to create major conversations that could change more people's lives. So that's how it kind of went for me. You know why I like doing podcasts as opposed to short form like television or media is because you can get real answers. Like you're like, no, Antonio, uh, I did start initially to get famous. The same reason why when I got that Nickelodeon job, I initially started to get famous. But then, like you said, with maturity, you learn that you can actually do other things that can change people's lives. Man, fame is fleeting, by the way, as you know. We, we've had a lot of famous people that are no longer famous. That's a, a whole other world. Let's get into this question, though, of the best thing. I like to talk to people about the best thing to happen to them that would rarely, if ever, show up in a bio, resume, or come up in conversation. You know, a lot of it's easy for us to say getting married was the best thing to happen to us. It's easy for, for us to say graduating from college, we can go on and on and on. But what's one of those things for you that has been the best thing that wouldn't necessarily show up on a resume or come up in conversation? Wow. Um, that's an amazing question. And you have an amazing podcast, by the way, because everyone's best thing is so different. That's what makes it so interesting. Um, I'm going to give you two because I'm not the host. I can do what I want. So the fir first best thing that comes up right now, me thinking, is um, meeting my wife. Because uh, just being around her and seeing how she operates makes me a better person. So I would say my wife, Alexa Marie Hassel, first. But second, the best thing that happened to me before meeting her was, I would have to say, um, getting cut from the basketball team in seventh grade. Now, people, you might have seen me in different projects or, or on TV. I, I'm not the tallest person out there uh, right now, at about five, four and a half. But when I was in seventh grade... I was probably like four something and I wanted to be in the basketball team because all of my friends were joining and I was like, yeah, I want to play too. So we all tried out. They all made the team, went up to see our name on the list. They put in the piece of paper outside the gym and I was looking for my name. It wasn't there. And I go, wait, everyone, but me, my whole, all my friends are on, but me. And I came home, went downstairs in my house, started playing uh, super Nintendo tears in my eyes, playing my, my big brother comes home. He's like, what's up, man? And I, I was like, nothing. He goes, what? And he looks at the front of the TV. He goes, you, you cry? What's going on? I was like, oh, man, I, I didn't make the basketball team. And he shut off the game. He goes, what? I go, I didn't make the basketball team because I, I, I was too little. Everyone else made, you know? And he looks at me in my face and he goes, nah, nah, playboy. You didn't make the team because you weren't good enough. Mm. And, and Antonio, I sat there and he thought I was going to cry before. Then I was like, oh, my gosh. And 
let me give a sideboard who my brother was. My brother was the town star in sports. My brother and I are were, were opposites. My brother was at that age, he's four years older, and he was about six foot and he's about almost 200 pounds. My brother was a star baseball player of my town. My brother tried out for the Kansas City Royals that year. So when I tell you I, like my brother was the star, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Added pressure. I got to step up, you know? So I'm looking at him and he's like, and you're not good enough. And I'm like, oh man, what am I going to do? And then he looks at me and goes, well, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. And he goes, well, this is what are you going to do? You're going to practice with this basketball. I'm going to show you a few drills every day for the next 365 days. And I guarantee you'll make the team next year. I was like, uh, and my brother was my hero. So I was like, all right, I'll do it. He showed me the drills outside and I practiced every day. I was, when it rained or snowed, I was in the garage doing drills with the ball up against the wall, just holding, uh, doing flip around my leg. When, when it was hot out, I'd play all day, doing those drills over and over, pickup games over and over. Next year came, came the tryouts. I was the starting point guard of the basketball team. Yo. So what I learned at that, what I learned at 12 to 13 years old was that the most important foundation for all of us, everyone, setting a goal. That's first. Realizing who you are and your skills and what you need to do to get that goal. And then probably I say the most important part, putting the work in no matter what. No matter what the circumstance was, I always practiced. I always did it. And putting those three things together, making it not habitual was a lifestyle. It wasn't even a habit. I did it. And then making that made me realize how life really works. You're not going to get uh, what you want, you're going to get what you're owed from the work and things you put, you put into them. And yes, I was, and it changed me, man. There's so much to pick up from that. I love that story of getting cut to becoming the starting point guard. What I really love about that story is the honesty, the directness that your brother told you, you, you didn't get it because you're not good enough. And he didn't just leave it with, you're not good enough. But then he asked that important question that I think a great coach, a great friend, a great ally will do is say, what are you going to do about it? Most people stop with you're not good enough. Um, can you talk a little bit about that right there? Because I feel like we're in a unique place in society, Jeremy, where we're not really honest with people. We're not, we're not honest with our friends. We don't say because you're not good enough. Instead, we'll say, well, maybe it wasn't meant to be. And just that honest, your brother could have kept, you were your kid. He could have kept it easy on you, but he decided to keep it real with you. So can you talk, and I know you mentored probably a lot of people over the years about the importance of not just keeping it real with people, but then helping them with the game plan. Yeah. It's um, it really starts with you. Um, the, the older I'm getting more I'm realizing about life, it really, most things come from within. We let external factors mess, mess with us. You should always be aware of the situation, but always look at yourself first. You should look in the mirror and yes, be your hardest critic, but then the other side, realize your strengths and your weaknesses and make action on what you can do to make your weaknesses more to your strengths or what you can do better at whatever it is, okay? And the catch is, you know, it's very similar to a lot of us, we live our lives on autopilot. And like the author Antonio Neves telling you, you have to stop living on autopilot. And autopilot is little things you don't even realize, everyone, is simple of just like telling yourself, oh, it wasn't meant to be, or oh, I'll get that later. No, you got to put that work in. The more effort you put in, the closer you get to the goal, the better you will be. That's, that's the whole essence of I got a lot from reading your book, Stop Living on Autopilot. But for, for me, going back uh, to your question about my brother being that hard-nosed on me, was it was the best swift kick you could get from some from it's sometimes it's not even the message it's the messenger 
me listening it from him going, wow, this guy in my mind, my brother already made it. He's the man. I'm like, and he's telling me to do it. I'm, I'm going to do it. He's right. And he taught me a valuable lesson about that one sentence of no, look at why you didn't make it because you weren't good enough, not the excuses. So everything we all should look at in life is, is not what we don't have, what we need to do. <laughs> I, it's so cool to look back on those things. Life is about the process, everyone. <laughs> it's not about the, 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 the back or, or, where we're, or even the goal. The process is everything. And so going through those steps of, uh, of me being hard on myself, being real with yourself is important. After you're real with yourself, it's a lot easier to be real with other people because you're no longer hiding. And then when you are talking to other people, be careful how you layer that message. Because again, sometimes it's not the message, it's the messenger. So when you're talking to someone, you're being always, I've learned it's better to be real and tell the truth because you can get more out of it. It might hurt in the beginning, but if they're a real one, they'll come back to you later and be like, wow, that was, that was super important. Yeah. I like that. After you're real with yourself, you can then be real with others. You may, you just made me think back to early in my television career when I didn't, I'd go for all the auditions I got in all the rooms, but I wasn't getting the jobs. It just wasn't happening. And, but the funny thing about the TV business in LA and New York, or even more so in LA, you would leave every audition in LA thinking you got the job. <laughs> they're like, yo, fantastic. You did great. I'm like, yo, I got it. But they, cause they, they're not telling you the truth. They're not saying what your brother said. You weren't good enough. I was fortunate enough that over the course of my career, many times there were some producers from different casting people that pulled me to the side and said, Hey, here's what's not working. Here's what you need to improve on. And I thank goodness for those people, those messengers that showed up at the right time, as opposed to me trying to make too many assumptions. What I like about what your brother did and saying, you know, because you're not good enough. But then he said, but so what are you going to do? And he gave you the game plan is I think we're in a unique place in society nowadays, especially over the course of the past few years, Jeremy, where we've been calling so many people out. We're pointing fingers at so many different people. But it sounds like what your, your brother did, and I think what great messengers do is they don't call people out, they call people up to be the best versions of themselves. And that's exactly what your brother did. And let's be real, before we even hit record on this, you and I are just talking about some press that I'm going to be doing for some television. And like in a short amount of time, you gave me the, some amazing advice that if somebody else gave it to me, I might get a little defensive or something. But because it's you, because I know who you are, I know you've done the work, I felt called up and I feel even more prepared when I go into these interviews next week. So. I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about being willing to call people up as opposed to calling them out. Well, I learned that lesson in 2003 from you, Antonio, when we both auditioned for the same show for a network called Fuse. And after going through rounds of auditions, everyone, um, usually when you go to an audition, if you have not before, you get into a room, they give you a piece of paper to have the sides of what you're going to talk about. And, and then you get called and you go into the room. During that time you're waiting to get called in, your competition is right there in front of you. Forget waiting and seeing who, who got the job. You have someone who's better looking, taller, smarter, different ethnicity. They're all in front of you. And a lot of the time, it's, it's a shark kind of world in there. And for the first time, it was one of my first auditions, actually, um, meeting Antonio. We went in together. Then after, and we're competition, everyone. Antonio pulls me aside and says, yo, um, you did really good in there. I said, thanks. You go. But let me give you a, a, a tip or a pointer, you know, for a, a teleprompter, things of that nature. Here's a teacher I worked with, might be great for you. Her name is Nancy Reardon, shout out to her. And I looked at him like, why is this guy trying to help me? He's trying to make money off it. And then I realized he's not trying to make money, he wants me to be better. And I'm his competition. And I was like, wow. So I took the number down, went, went back to the restaurant, worked hard, made some money, paid her, took a few classes, got better at teleprompter, got better at reporting. 
So uh, you're one of those messengers, Antonio, and I want your listeners to understand that. So I learned that lesson first from you. But now back to your question about me doing that to other people, because um, experience I had with you and uh, I've had opposite experience with a lot of other people trying to hate on me or trying to make me feel bad in auditions. I've had all those too. How about this? I'm sorry, I'm going to go left for a second. I went to an audition, everyone, where one guy uh, with socks on, overweight, after I read the audition, he pulled the camera to the side, looked at me and said, um, this isn't working. I go, what? He goes, this whole smiley, happy thing. Um, you're never going to make it in this industry. Um, you should Whoa. think of something different. And I looked at him and I said, now, he doesn't know that I know mixed martial arts. And he doesn't know that I'm a surprise because I'm little. I could end this whole thing. There's no one else in the room. And then I took a minute and I was like, I am so sorry you feel that way. And he looked at me like, like oh my God. And then I just walked out because I already knew that I'm going to do the work to get to wherever I want to be. And he was really talking about himself. Yes. And then after that, that's lesson or not. Every time I ever meet someone who asks me for help, I do my best on DM. I try to get back to all of you guys. I do. But everyone I ever meet or talk to, I try to give them some kind of advice or some kind of something to help them along the way because I wish I had people to help me when I was in their position. And I know how important that one bit can be. So everyone listening, if someone asks you for help or something, I know you're busy. We all are stuff. But maybe one thing you say could help them get to their goal. And that's what we're about. Helping people. Yeah, man, what you just shared, that experience in the audition, I've experienced that on a couple of occasions in my life. And I think we do have to remember that it's not about us <laughs> nine times out of 10, if not 10 times out of 10. It's not about us. It's about them. Um, I want to end with this question. It's something that, you know, we mentioned at the end of your introduction at the beginning of this. And you say Jeremy's mission is to enjoy every moment and bring you along for the ride. But let's stop at enjoy every moment. Uh, t- talk to me just about that vantage point. Cause I've always seen that from you from the day that I met you and like where that, that zest, that joy for life came from for you, man. And how you continue to show up with that every day when I know we all go through trials, tribulations and, and challenges. We can't control tomorrow and we can't change the past. So when you're in a moment, try to get the most out of it. I say I try to enjoy each moment because I look, I, I, if you know me, my taglines keep it positive because you can always be negative. It's harder to be positive, but you can get more out of it when you shine light on things. You can see everything, right? That, that's how I kind of see life personally. But let's get as real as we can. When things are dark, when I'm struggling with things, when things aren't going the way I want them to be or when I'm not where I want to be, how do I get through those times? Just one step at a time. And I remind myself I've, I, I've been through worse. I will go through worse because that's what life's about. You need the dark to get the light, everyone. The catch is being in the moment. In any martial art, they try to teach you a thing called flow state. And what that is is when you're not thinking, you're just feeling and reacting. That's what life is about. That's what life in general is about. So remember that everyone here listening, you're going through a hard time. might not be what you want. Accept that. The first rule to everything to me is accepting if it's good or it's bad or we don't know. Let me accept that. Because once you accept what things are, you can work to get them to the best it could be. So and every moment I'm in, whether I'm talking with someone, whether I'm working on a project, whether I'm trying to figure out where I want to go next, I'm always trying to think, okay, okay, what's really going on? What can I do? What have I not done? And how can we get there? And most important to everyone, every time I talk to anyone, I always start off and have to remind them over and over again, what's the goal? Because if you know the goal, the, you can let the little stuff go. I let all the haters go and stuff once I know my goal. Everything's fine. 
Yo, you just gave me some knowledge to leave this with. What's the goal? That just stops everything in its tracks. Jeremy Hassel, I can't thank you enough, man, for a, being just an amazing friend over the years. I, I love seeing you shining all the things that that you, you've done and that you continue to do. I love that the audience on this podcast is being introduced to you. Everyone in the show notes will be links to everything that Jeremy does. I, I dare you not to go to any of his social pages and not smile. It's It's a challenge. Jeremy Hassel, thank you for joining me on The Best Thing. Antonio, thank you for writing Stop Living on Autopilot. Everyone, pick it up. It will help all of you. Thank you, Antonio. Love you, man. Take care, man. Thanks for listening to The Best Thing Podcast with Antonio Neves. Join us next week for more stories that'll help you see the world through a new lens. For more resources, go to theantonioneves.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you share with a friend and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.